lie about something and you'll get scolded by better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's John. Hi! And James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week, where was the last place you went on vacation? I Mm. went to Disney World and watched Goofy light the rings and initiate the great journey. (laughs) Disney World? Of course! (laughs) (laughs) Of course! (laughs) When we begin the great journey, your heresy shall stay your feet. Yuck. I, I, I still, I still can't get over the idea of the arbiter picking up uh, the prophet of truth and just throwing him down the pit, and him doing like the goofy yell. Yeah. <laughs> your, uh, your joke about I am Goof, the voice of the covenant, too, was really good. Gorsh, I'm Goof. The voice of the covenant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I went to Disney World a while ago. How how did Disney World... When was the last time you had been to Disney World? When I was like 10 or 11 wow. or something. How did I, these I'm... experiences compare? It was more enjoyable as an adult, but we also spent a lot of money to not wait in many lines. So Yep. <laughs> wow, very fair. Um... It was overwhelming, though. Like, it it did not provide the time off from work that I needed because it's just, like, in logistical management mode the whole time. Did you do just Magic Kingdom, or did you do all the parks? We did. Uh, we started with Epcot. Nice. nice. Then we did Hollywood Studios. Then we did Animal Kingdom. Then we did Magic Kingdom. All right. We did four days. Solid. Are those all the are those all the yep. parks? Is there a yeah. Unless you count Disney Springs. Oh yeah, we, we thought about going to Disney Springs, but we we didn't. What's what's the one with Star Wars? That's Hollywood Studios. Galaxy's Edge. Hollywood Studios, okay. But also Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. Also that. Which oh is yeah. Like a whole Galaxy separate Studios. resort. Is it? Yes. Oh. But that's different from like the resistance area, right? So Star Wars, it's a little, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is the Star Wars area within Hollywood Studios. Rise of the Resistance is one of the rides, I think, in Galaxy's Edge. Because there's one where you pilot the Millennium Falcon, and there's one where it's like a tram car that goes through like a Star Destroyer and you have to escape or something. Yeah. Okay. Did did you have a favorite uh, park, John, or one that like sticks out where you're like, oh, this was actually kind of like more fun than I was expecting? Oh, my favorite part was the Star Wars area for sure. It was very immersive. (laughs) It was very cool. That's awesome. So Disney still has Disney still has like the magic touch then with uh, their their theme parks. You think? Um. Yeah, they're very good at what they do. They put a lot of money and research into what they do, but they're uh, they're very good at it. 
Honestly, Hollywood Studios is my favorite, but I'm super biased because they have the Indiana Jones stunt show, Galaxy's Edge, and then literally right next door to Galaxy's Edge is the Toy Story area. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of nostalgia bombs there. Oh yeah, <laughs> all the big ones. And you can go on Tower of Terror and live in a Twilight Zone episode. Is that right? Still open? Yep. Yeah, we went twice. Oh man, they that only was... uh, they only closed down the one out in Anaheim in California. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Interesting. Um, and then I, I, what did you think of the um Magic Kingdom size uh, Tomorrowland area? I think it was Tomorrowland. Um, because I was pretty underwhelmed by it. Um, uh, Magic Kingdom Tomorrowland. Oh yeah. Um, it's fine. That one was more fun as a kid. I think there was also just more stuff open when we were kids. Maybe. Like there was. I mean, you've got Tron, you've got the Buzz Lightyear shooting gallery. Oh, Tron did just open. You got... Um, it's in Space like Mountain. A, just there. Space Mountain, yeah. <clears throat> um, did you go on the um, the ride above the, the cafe, like right in the middle? Yeah, just like the little track around the area. Yeah. Yeah. One of my friends works there, like as the ride person. That's fun. That's awesome. Cool. James, where's the last place you went on vacation? I actually basically just got back from vacation. I was in uh, Door County, which for uh, anyone who does not know, Door County is kind of a region in Wisconsin. If you think of Wisconsin as a mitten, uh, Door County is the region that is on the the thumb of the mitten. It's uh, It's a peninsula area that is well known for its sort of um idyllic scenic little lake towns and uh hamlets kind of nestled throughout this this wilderness on uh on lake michigan and throughout uh green bay um uh the actual bay of green bay and uh i really enjoyed it um it reminds me a lot of like some of those towns are almost like if you've ever seen the movie Jaws or you've been to the East Coast, they're almost indistinguishable from like uh, the kind of like scenic uh, beach towns of like Delaware or even Massachusetts or stuff like that. Um, and I really like the kind of vibe. It is a little bit touristy uh, in some areas for sure. Um But I think that the communities have done a pretty good job of keeping them relatively like natural and sort of just a good mix of some touristy stuff as well as like local color and flavor that that is still alive uh and woven throughout um i was just there for a few days uh for a family uh reunion that i have every year with my dad's side of the family uh really really nice um when swimming in the lake uh, we take this uh, bike bike ride every year through a state park. That was really fun. Did that with some people. Uh, went out to uh, some bars, uh, watched some old home movies. Uh, went bowling. Uh, kind of a kind of a classic uh, wholesome family reunion. So very refreshing, very fun. Nice. What was uh, probably your favorite activity? 
Uh, the bike rides. I, I've loved it ever since I was a kid. Um, and it's like consistently my favorite. It's just a nice little ride through this like state park. You can stop at like a lighthouse or at some hiking trails. And uh, it's just very like peaceful and scenic. Though I really did like uh, getting to swim in the lake as well as uh, my cousin recently got into like rock hunting and rock mm -hmm. collecting and there are actually these rocks that were discovered just a few years ago called uperlites because they were found in the up and someone found that if you shine a black light on these rocks they will glow orange almost like the embers the embers of like a campfire so we went like hunting for them we didn't find any but it was still really cool just skipping rocks and hanging out uh on this beach kind of as the sun went down um but yeah, uh, that was that was my vacay. Nice. I understand, RJ, that you recently went on a vacation too. I did. I just got back from Japan. What? Oh my god, the Which land of the rising the, sun. Uh, it's why the the episodes for the last few weeks have been uh, pre-recorded and why we were talking about Across the Spider-Verse like two weeks after it happened. Wow, you're really pulling back the curtain on this one, RJ. You're letting everyone see the man working all the levers and the knobs. Uh, I will say, probably one of my favorite things about Japan was the food. So many good meals. I also had Indian for like the first time. Went, nice. like I just randomly found an Indian curry place on accident for lunch one day and they made the naan fresh like they would make it and bring it to your table steaming out of the oven and would just give you more if you needed it slash wanted it it was so good I went back for dinner um were, were you mainly in Tokyo? yeah mainly in Tokyo um and mostly around the the areas I like can remember and name were the way we mostly were like near Ueno slash Akihabara and then would also would commonly go to Shinjuku or Shibuya. Um, those are the only names I picked up. I did no planning going into this trip and I did not learn anything while I was there. So, oh, dang, you don't even have any phrases. You don't have any ones that you had to use. Because everyone else is using it, I think misu is water. Like, if you want some water to drink at a restaurant. Misu. How do you say please in Japan? I don't know. Let me say that again. Dang. <laughs> and I, excuse me is sumimasen. Sumimasen. Yep. But again, I never used them, so I don't know for sure. Sumimasen. Do you uh, have some, yeah, some favorite sites there, though, that you visited? Uh, yeah. The, I did, there was a really cool art installation we went to called Team Lab, Planet Tokyo. Uh, it was an art installation put together by a group of, like, engineers, computer programmers, artists, uh, tech gurus, just, like, every, like, the whole point of STEM being what it is, like, of let's combine everything. Um, so like each room was its own art exhibit, but based on the combination of art and science and specifically playing with light and visuals. It's like there was one room mirrors on the walls, ceiling and floor 
And from the ceiling, there were hanging a bunch of, like, LED strands that just went all the way down. So when you looked, like, out of the walls, it just looked like it went on forever with these lights. Wow. Or there was a room that was a dome with a mirrored floor, and onto the ceiling was projected this, like, almost like a flower kaleidoscope. These flowers and petals just kind of, like, coming in and out. And it was really cool and trippy, and, like, the way they'd move across the screen would make it so, like, when you, like, you'd lay on the floor and look up at it, but then when you would sit up, because of the way it was moving, the perception in your head would be that the floor was tilting, but it was really just the way the image was spinning. Um, but when you walked out of it, the, like, information plaque told you that, oh, this is a constantly generated uh, view, it's not a clip, it's not gonna repeat. Like, you'll never see the same image twice because it's constantly generating the next thing. Really cool. Um, There's also a room with uh, aeroponics instead of hydroponics. So a bunch of flowers that were growing in midair on these, like, strands that were hanging down. Uh, But when you went underneath them, they would raise or lower to match where you were. So, like, if you sat there you'd basically be in this bubble depend with the different heights of the flowers. Ooh. That's so cool, dude. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Also, th- we went to a baseball game in the Tokyo Dome. Fun fact, the Tokyo Dome, the dome is supported by atmospheric pressure difference. So the doors are all rotating doors, and it's a different pressure inside the dome than outside. What does that mean, ultimately? It means your ears pop a little bit. It means they have to use rotating door, like um, the roundabout doors to keep the pressure the same and that there's no like major supports holding it up the way you have at like a American baseball stadium. Um, it was also fun that I f- accidentally found one of the few Taco Bells in all of Tokyo. Oh my God, there, you would. There happened to be one on the outside of the dome. Like, as we're walking up, it just happened to be there. That's convenient. And I was like, damn, I only knew of one other one in all of Tokyo. So yeah, that was, Japan, that was my last last trip. Did you get to have Japanese Taco Bell? I did. It was fine. It was, uh, it was, they had game day limited menu, so, uh... Wasn't quite what I would have hoped for, but you know I can't can't complain too much. Nice. Yeah. So our next segment is Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Who would like to start? I can again. Um, for it. So, continuing the theme of being a bit behind the times on <laughs> whether due to pre-recording or not, uh, my recommendation for right now is Summer Games Done Quick 23, or 2023. <laughs> not 2013. Oh. 2023. Um, so they happen so... like right at the end of May, early June. What is this? It is, what is... a... Um, a conference well it's a it's a convention for speedrunners to come together and like play or do speedruns um on a live stream in person 
and raise money for tra- charity. So this year it was for like Doctors Without Borders, I think. Nice. Um, but yeah, they there's uploaded VODs to YouTube. I've watched a Titanfall 2 one. I've watched a Halo 3 one. I watched a Celeste one. Um, I've seen like Twilight Princess, Super Mario Odyssey, and some other ones come across. But yeah, I just really like video game speedrunning. So it's really yeah. cool to like see the people who do it well sit there and explain what they're doing can i ask why can i ask like like what like i i think they're interesting but they've never struck me as like something where i would like seek them out and watch them like what do you think draws you to um like video game speed running and stuff like that part of it is they're like playing the games i already love just in a different way um mm-hmm. Because you have to like really love and understand a game um, to be able to play it like that. Um, and then the other thing is, it's just very technically impressive. Like, there's so much you have to do right over sometimes a very long window. Like the Halo Three speedrun was about an hour and a half, maybe. Um, which I mean, we've all played that game countless times. Yeah. It usually takes me six. Um, and they did it on Legendary in an hour and a half. <laughs> like, holy shit. There's just like really cool tech, like Halo 3 especially. Like, there's something called drop shield launches, um, where if you throw like oh. a deployable cover, or sorry, deployable cover launch, I guess. If you throw one of those down and stand on it just right, the game kind of like tries to nudge you out of it. But if you get it in the exact right spot, it'll just fling you across the map. Like,. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> like, um, Floodgate, the um, third or fourth level, fourth level in the campaign, right? When the flood crashed down on Earth and you have to, like, backtrack all the way through yeah. the storm. Yes. You can skip most of that level. <laughs> it's drop shield launches. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, here I skip sucks. most of it by running. So. That level sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just really cool to see those tricks, too. They're very flashy. And if you, like, um, one of my other favorite speed games from the last couple of years is Breath of the Wild, because you can do, like, so much jank with the physics engine, like wind bombs and, like, bullet time launches. <laughs> and they're all just very flashy and fun to watch. Nice. No, that seems that seems like uh it is pretty cool i guess to see someone just uh like develop i don't know like hidden tricks and different like tools i guess to use the game in such a different way than than what is like, considered orthodox yeah. yeah that's cool so yeah. so i don't know they're fun um people who do it invest a lot of time into being good at it um, which is another fact. Like, I don't know. I just kind of respect the hustle, even though a lot of people wouldn't, like, traditionally consider it valuable. Yeah. I mean, hey, I think it's, it's pretty a cool. skill. Yeah, very much. Yeah, I mean, if games are essentially just, like, hyper-complex digital puzzles, I mean, it's essentially just, like, it's, like, uh, a kind of incredibly immersive sort of uh problem solving really also just pretty neat yeah yeah exactly there's just like such an interesting life cycle and like a rich community history behind a lot of these things 
<laughs> like you take Titanfall 2 for example I don't know if I have like specific tech to talk about um, mm. but like they've been running this game since 2016 and I was watching the speedrun and they're like there have been three major breakthroughs that really cut down the time of this run so like everybody does it the same way same way then somebody finds something new then everybody does it that way so it like redefines itself every few years when people find new tricks I think I find Which that is... fascinating is the like here's the fastest way to do this and then somebody like messes it up or tries something new and happens to discover a new way to get it done even faster it's evolution baby that it is that's the human spirit mm-hmm. that's yeah I think that's I think that is really cool um yeah it's it that's what i always really like about gaming communities is that they like and i think the best developers have always like fed into this some some way but like not to be too whatever not to be too much like a cole's graphic t-shirt or whatever but like gamers really are sort of like always they're always looking for some way to sort of like simultaneously break the game but enjoy it at the same time you know what i mean i think it's really cool like uh because i oftentimes like breaking the game just means finding a new way to play it which like completely changes the way that everybody interacts with it kind of like what you're describing i think that's just like a really cool sort of uh strain of behavior to have in really any sort of group of people or fan base or whatever yeah cool yeah, that's about it for me, though. Um, who wants to go next? Uh, I can go. Yeah, so go for it. I started reading... I'm about halfway through this book. It's Batman and Philosophy. Okay. Uh, basically taking a bunch of the like common questions and ideas around Batman as a character and applying philosoph- philosophical theories to them to see like if we can find answers or find reasons, at least. Um... So far, it's not going to be anything that surprises you, because it's like, oh, should Batman kill the Joker? Well, no, Batman shouldn't kill the Joker. The whole point of being a hero is you don't kill people. Um, But they give, like, arguments and reasoning behind, like, well, here's why someone might say he should kill the Joker. However, you have to balance the um, utilitarian school of thought with the deontonic idea where right and wrong is at a personal level so even though it might help the most people you're still doing a wrong thing um it goes into that does get into some heady stuff yeah yeah it, it talks about like the gordon the commissioner gordon batman relationship and how it's basically like yeah these two people yes batman is a vigilante who's working outside the law, but Gordon's working within the system to fix things. Batman works outside the system to fix things. And Gordon recognizes that in working with Batman, who is outside the system, it balances out Batman more to make it more... They're both working in line to achieve the ultimate goal. Uh, And they bring up some other examples of, like, here's this person, uh, here's the character Anarchy, who's working completely outside the system, wants to uphold, like, complete upheaval of the system, but in rejecting the system so soundly, they are unable to affect any change. Uh, Similarly, some of the, like, working inside the system, 
where Harvey Dent was working inside the system and the times where like Gordon is just working on his own inside the system. Uh, it's ineffective because they're unable to combat things that are outside the system. Uh, because if they're not a part of the system, they can't do anything about it. So basically saying like, yes, commissioner Gordon and Batman should work together. Um, I think the most surprising one so far has been that yes, Batman, it's all right that Batman has Robin. Um, with the idea and reasoning behind it being basically that like, well, yeah, it's not fantastic that Batman is putting children into harm's way. However, why is he doing that? What is the purpose behind that? Is there a purpose behind it? What is the outcome of that? And basically boils down to if Batman didn't train these kids, they would theoretically not reach their full potential and could end up worse off like making wrong decisions because they're not being taught a better way. Uh, in particular, in particular, they looked at Jason Todd and how when Batman found him, Jason Todd was a child stealing the hubcaps off of the Batmobile. And that by taking in Jason Todd and raising him to be a Robin, it altered his life course to away from a life of crime. Hmm. With the yeah, flip that's... side of putting him in mortal danger every every night. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean I, I do think that's interesting. Like you could very much argue it's like a, like a almost a classically Greek uh sort of idea of like youth should be trained from which they, bring they should up. be trained from a young age uh to like live a fulfilled life and that like waiting too long will only stunt somebody or lead them perhaps to a life of like idleness and ultimate futility uh, this is also supported by the text in that when the question came up, I believe it was in the Young Justice series, uh, they discuss how Batman was fine with Billy Batson being a uh, Justice Leaguer because Batman trains children for war. And they're like, yeah, that's what you did with uh, Dick Grayson, right? Nightwing? And he's like, no, I did it so he wouldn't become me. Not that he would become me. Uh, mm. So it, it goes back to that Batman is training these children to... Teach them, don't become me, be better. I do think that's interesting, too, the idea that, like, uh, that's debatably the most, um, I think one of the most interesting philosophical ideas about Batman is that Batman is not the teleological end of a human being. Like, Batman is not the apex of what a person should be. He's instead, like, a bridge to get us from, like, one area of human development to another and like he's aware of this like he's aware that he has like severe faults and shortcomings and that while he is like incredibly noble and doing unnecessary work that at the same time he's sort of like not at all someone to be admired yes um i think one of the best one of my favorite Batman pieces of media out there right now is the Batman Wayne Family Adventures webcomic um, that is on Webtoons. Webtoon. Reason being is it's not necessarily Batman specific. It's about the entire Bat family. But mm -hmm. it's highlights the, hey, Batman is a father figure. Like, this is him being a father figure. 
particularly in the face of a lot of media, especially the movies, where they kind of just gloss over that, and it's like, ah, I'm vengeance, I'm the knight. And it's like, well, no, hang on. This man has, like, functionally raised almost a dozen children. Like, what's going on there? What? How can I am vengeance, I am the knight, uh, also be, hey, make sure you take a lunch to school today. But split personality. But yeah, uh, Batman and Philosophy. It, it's one in a series that the publisher did where they did a bunch of, like, pop culture and philosophy. I read a PDF version of their Spider-Man and Philosophy a while back, a few years ago. That's pretty cool. So would you, so obviously you'd recommend yeah. uh, this. Okay. Because I could see some people being like, oh, that's like too, do you think it's like pretty fairly balanced? Like a balance, it doesn't try to over intellectualize something, but at the same time it gives Batman like it's due it's as like serious. Accessible. Okay. Okay. That's good. You do not need to have like a degree in philosophy to understand it. They, the authors know what they're doing. They explain things. They don't get super technical with it. Um, and they have like the founding question each essay is based on because it's like a bunch of authors that contributed oh that's really cool okay. so it really is like okay here's what we're talking about and when they start to stray a little bit they're like alright let's focus in like we the whole point of philosophy is why do we think things and how do we think things and thinking about thinking which doesn't do us any good if we just keep going well what about in trying to answer this question yeah, I like that a lot. That sounds like uh, they they uh, reference any Nietzsche in there yet or no? Uh, yeah, he came up at least once. I was gonna, yeah, it seems like a very fitting one for the bat. For the first half, at least, so much of it has been utilitarianism versus deontological. It comes, it came up in like every essay. Yeah, that stuff is. That's some. Uh, it's like kind of basic, but at the same time, it's like. It gets really well. It's a founding, foundational aspect of philosophy. Like, yeah, yeah. I always forget. Like, I know utilitarianism is like the most good for the most amount of people. Deontology is like, uh, that is. It's the, like this there determining is right meaning. and wrong, and a wrong thing is a wrong thing, no matter what good will come of it. Uh, mm, almost that more personal okay. level, like. Uh, again, it goes back to like, yeah, Batman could kill Joker, but it would be it would be against his moral code to do so, which makes it a wrong action. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. They also bring uh, up the whole point of uh, in that one specifically about killing Joker or not. They have an entire discussion about like, okay. When would a police officer be within the legal, moral, ethical rights to shoot the Joker? <laughs> and they literally lay out, like, if these, if this is met, the officer could shoot Joker to save lives. That's pretty If that's it's pretty any funny. of these, like, two or three other scenarios that are near it but not quite, they cannot fire. I like that. So, in particular, um, if the Joker, if the murder is already committed, like, that—that that is it. Joker is not a danger to anyone else, but he killed someone. He, you can't fire because he's done committing the crime. You, you don't know for, unless you know for certain that someone else is in danger, 
direct immediate danger you cannot fire i couldn't yeah like but couldn't you argue couldn't the case be made that uh like given his history and reputation i mean i guess that's that i however suppose that's against good justice though it's against good justice because there no one is an immediate he is not an immediate threat and then there's also the idea of reform that you, you that may be joker's last murder but you don't know that for sure you don't know for certain that he will go commit another murder. He has a pattern. He's done it before. But you, until it happens again, you don't know for certain that he's going to go commit murder. Man, that's fascinating. I love that. So yeah, it was a really engaging read. It's, it's been a really engaging read so far. That's cool. That's really, really cool. Uh, James, what do you got for us? One last thought before yeah. we move on is just when you said Batman philosophy, the very first thing I pictured in my head was Jean-Paul uh, Sartre in a Robin costume. <laughs> so <laughs> just wanted to share that. Oh my God. <laughs> Good grief. But, uh, so we right, can continue so now. I just needed to get that out. Yeah. That's amazing, John. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Um, so my, my recommendation is, um, this movie called the big chill. Uh, it was made in the mid nineties and it features, uh, the performances by, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Um, Oh my god, there's like a bunch of people in this movie. Jeff Goldblum, Glenn Close, Tom Berenger, um Kevin Klein as uh, another one and a few a few other notables from the era. Um and it basically <clears throat> the the premise is and technically it features Kevin Costner, but the premise is basically that a group of college friends uh who have not seen each other uh really in in quite some time all been together um finally reconvene and and have a reunion uh after their friend uh kills himself and they are at his funeral so it essentially follows the their weekend uh staying with each other in in one of their homes and sort of reconnecting and rehashing their lives and uh discussing sort of you know what they what they think they are what they think they were and what they think they will be um it was actually written and directed by mr lawrence kasdan who you may recognize as uh the writer of the empire strikes back um and i believe he also helped write one of the indiana jones movies maybe um i'm not entirely certain but um this is a really fun movie uh it's dealing with very heavy subject material um but i didn't find it as depthful as i wanted to be but i almost think that was kind of the point is that it has a sort of light touch around some of the subjects uh but it still does manage to really 
address them in a way that feels natural, but not too heavy handed. Uh, I was left wanting a little bit, but I think this movie, it's less supposed to be a big philosophical debate on the nature of death and who we are in the face of it and who we are in the face of, you know, our, our reputation and our, our, the, the life that we've lived thus far, um, up until the point that we, we have to kind of reconcile with ourselves or face this idea of our own mortality. It is more just about a group of people who have, who were friends and have kind of grown slightly apart and come together and find joy in just being together again. Um, so I would recommend it. Uh, it has, and this is something a lot of people say, it has an amazing soundtrack. Absolutely. Very calm and mellow, but still fun. A lot of great uh, covers of songs. It's got a great opening. Um, and just like a, a really fun kind of 80s atmosphere all throughout. It's basically like, I mean this in kind of a good way. It's kind of like a yuppie breakfast club almost. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, is what I would say. But it's very comfy and it's very sort of like nice to watch. So I would I would recommend this one for sure. It's kind of considered like an 80s, uh, a, a soft 80s classic. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, the Big Chill. Who were the main stars? Uh, there's a bunch. It centers around a group of like six or seven, maybe eight people, and I can't remember all their names. But it's like um, Kevin Klein, Glenn Close, Tom Berenger, Jeff Goldblum. Okay. Um, and then like a bunch, uh, a few other people that I I can't quite recall. I recognize two of those names. That works. Mm. Yeah, you got it. Well, you it got was it. made forty years ago. Yeah. It was. <laughs> hey, we got Glenn Close and Jeff Goldblum going. That's that's enough. Yeah, you know he's there, and they're pretty fun in this movie. It's very interesting to see them because this is nine years before Jurassic Park. You know, so okay. he's young. Um, it, like give or take, you know, nine years or so. But yeah, really, really, really fun sort of sort of film. Uh, I would I would recommend it for kind of a cozy night in. All right. right. Have to check it out. Cool. Uh, Our next segment, we're just going to do this because I can't think how to be a better buddy where we give some real and some humorous advice. Our first question this week, men who carry a pocket knife, what do you actually use them for? With the further details, other than cutting open my wife's Amazon packages for her, what are some useful everyday things I should be using a pocket knife for that I am missing? Spreading butter on your toast <laughs> and other things and other things screwdriver literally screwdriver. while i was in japan Real? the screw on one of my glasses arms was coming out and you can't carry knives in japan so i didn't have my pocket knife with me but i went and got a kitchen knife and just screwed it back in using the kitchen knife because the kitchen knife got to a thin enough point that it would fit inside the tiny little screw nice Big brain moves out here. Galaxy brain. And you could whittle. You could whittle? Probably. You could whittle um, a bottle opener or a corkscrew. Always yeah. useful in certain situations. That's moving into more of a utility um, or a multi-tool or something. Yeah, this is a pocket knife, James. 
I always think of pocket knives as like Swiss Army knives, but also very fair. Um, to be I fair, guess I like carry a multi tool around, not a pocket knife. I guess, uh, you know, if you're having a, a classic romantic evening by some tree, you can carve your do your that. you and your lover's initials into into somewhere. Don't do that to some poor it's tree. It didn't casual vandalism. Hey. It's romantic. Yeah, most romantic way to tell someone, hey, I have a knife. Yeah, exactly. Maybe she didn't know before then. Maybe she'll get, maybe she'll be, like, maybe she'll swoon, you know? Oh, she'll faint. (laughs) It's like, be careful what you say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe she'll fall in love with you (laughs) right there. Um, You know, because of the implication. (laughs) That's so cool. Wow, it's awesome how you just carry something on you that that can get you arrested in an airport. (laughs) Shut uh, up, baby. I know it. You know, if, like, you look at your phone, phone case, there's a bunch of, like, little thin areas that need to be cleaned out. Yes. You can use it for that. Although I typically use, like, a pencil lead from a mechanical pencil. Of course. Cleaning, purging, cleansing. These are all words, you know. Those are words. I to rid with sharp implements. Area of filth. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I, oh I'm, no. I'm reading between the lines, you know? Yeah. Sure. Sure. First it was misogyny and now it's this. Now it's. Now it's. Now it's gang warfare slash genocide, yes. Okay. But, this is all subtext, of course. If you say it out loud, you know, you just spoil it. So, right. wink, wink, dutch, say, dutch. This is a joke for legal reasons on your phone. We trust our audience to know what we're really. Yeah, really exactly. You guys yeah. know exactly what you're saying. What we're what we're what we're putting down. I'm yeah, sure you mean like up. cleaning out the phone case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nothing uh-huh. more than that. Mm-mm. Nothing. No, I mean, I guess like. Uh, I don't know why I thought of this, but like cutting string or it, it would probably be nice. Like if you have like a fray somewhere on like a sweater or your jeans or something like that, you can just like snip that off real quick. With a fray. I have done that. I've done that in the past. Like the band. But... So all sorts of things. Yeah, so, it's very useful. Yeah, everybody should carry either a pocket knife or a multi-tool on them. Yes, I'm going to carry a sword. I'm going to carry a claymore, actually. I mean, me. hey, you know, if you find a use for that, let me know. Oh, I can think of some uses. <laughs> Pretty sure it's legal in Texas. It is. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, I don't think there's a cap on blade length. Oh, that is so cool. God bless Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's bigger. Uh, uh, our next question, and it's one I think you two could probably be better at answering than I would. Uh, I'll be moving to another city for work soon. What are some tips you can give me, and what are some things I should consider packing? Uh, you should pack your clothes. Yeah. Uh, pack your clothes. People in the city are naked all the time, RJ. Why would you need clothes? Yeah, exactly. That's actually what they don't tell you about most cities, major cities especially. Everyone basically walks around naked. Any any image you've seen of people walking around clothed in a major city is is it's CGI. Not 
Yep. Yeah, it's doctored. It's it's proper. It's a psyop. You're being psyoped. Um, they don't. They don't want you to know the truth. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly um, the most of the world is a nudist paradise <laughs> just your local region is not yeah i would they've, say they've get to know you. your neighborhood go for some yes. walks yes go go for walks um never hurts to uh find the nearest grocery store kind of plan your little route um and always be down for switching it up you never know uh if you might find something closer or better like for sure um like i have gotten into routines where i was going to one grocery store for like half a year in a city i was living in and then just on a chance because i was like partially lazy or whatever i went to one that was like slightly closer to where i was or i took like a detour and it was like way better so Always kind of explore your options. Uh, always have a few in your back pocket to go to. Uh, ooh, what what else? Oh, another city. Uh, oh, get your toiletries. Like, make sure those are packed in an easily accessible place because those are some of the first things you're going to need. Yes. Whatever you do, please, please, please make sure that you have a bed. When you get there, uh, I would recommend it highly, or at least a sleeping bag and a pillow. Um, I had to sleep on an air mattress that was only partially blown up because we did not have the pump. Uh, and I had to use, I did not bring a pillow with me uh, because it would not fit in my in either of the bags um, that I brought. So, uh, yeah, like... Um, to try to bring if you can any any implements of sleep, or purchase them almost immediately when you arrive in the city. Um, have them waiting for you. Also, if you do, if you're in a situation where you cannot drive like a U-Haul truck, and therefore you're not moving everything in bulk all at once, please try and bring like w- like if you're living in a place that has winter or it's going to get cold, try to bring a coat at the very least. Even if you, I don't even care if you have to wear it in July, getting on the plane, if you can't fit it in your bags, like bring a coat, bring some jeans, like bring some warm clothes because you are not going to want to wait. Yeah. You're not going to want to wait to have stuff shipped or you're going to feel like an asshole trying to buy stuff if you already have it. So try and get that. And you also put a burden on the people back home who might have to pack it up for you and send it. So try to try to be a better person than I was and uh and bring that stuff with with you if you can. Um also make sure to test that police response time. You want to know how yeah. fast they'll get there if you need them. Yes. Set something on fire, call it in and see how fast it takes. It. Ed Tarbett, yeah. It helps to test both the police and the fire department at the same time. That's that is utilitarianism right there <laughs> at play. Not a bad idea too to see your nearest barber or salon. Check and and check them out like a little bit. Check around the area. See if you know find something you like. 
Uh, yeah. John, any any advice you want to throw in there? Well, never really lived in like a city city, although I guess it applies. Um, even just generally moving to another to place. Any moving. I'm moving anywhere. Yeah, I don't really know. Um, Label your packing. Know what's yeah. where. Oh, and yeah, um, one important thing I thought of is it's it's always going to take longer than you think it will. Always. Some, something's going to come up that you're not planning for. So <laughs> just uh, give yourself a little more time than you think you need. Cool. Our next question not paying 50-50 for dates. Why not, or potentially why? I have no real opinion on this. I feel like it's kind of up to the couple how they want to do it. Yeah. I'm kind of <laughs> the mindset, like, I, I don't think I should pay for everything every time. Like, I'm not yeah. just a bank. But, like, you gotta start somewhere. So, like, don't be afraid to pick up the tab. Yeah, and remember too, like it. This is stuff that's contextual, but I do think like you should probably. It it kind of has to do with like. I go back and forth on this. I do think, I think it's just a nice gesture, even if it's more traditional for the guy to pick up the tab on the first date. I don't think it's mandatory, at all, but I do think like just in the sense of sort of like, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Yeah, just like like just yes, in the we sense recognize of... we live in hashtag feminism era, but like also dudes just pick up the fucking tab on the first one. It's just like it's just a nice thing to do, and it's sort of like it's a gesture that is supposed like the problem. The, one of the reasons a lot of like I think women really started wanting to like pay for themselves is like obviously yes, self determination. It also has to do with the fact that a lot of guys just would levy the fact that they had paid for the date as like mm. it becomes transactional and no one wants to feel like that. Like paying for the meal is supposed to be a gesture of goodwill and just sort of like we're like, yes, it's just a nice thing to do for somebody. You know what I mean? It is not supposed to come with any implication of I do this and then dot, dot, dot. Like, and that doesn't mean that, like, you know, if you're taking someone out on a date, if you're a guy and, you know, you're taking a girl out on a date or anyone and they say that they want to pay, like, that doesn't mean that you brush them off or whatever. But it's like sometimes people are, they do the whole, like, oh, I'll pay. And it's really more of like a, that's a courtesy thing. And if you do insist and you're like, it's fine, like, here, here's uh, I genuinely the rule want to pay, for offering you know? on anything. Yeah. You offer, and they say, no, no, that's okay. You say, are you sure? They say yes, you let it happen. In the reverse, you, they say, oh, I've got this. You say, are you sure I can cover it? And they say, no, no, it's fine. And then you leave it at that. You get mm -hmm. one chance to offer if you really want to push it, you can maybe do it twice, but you do not turn it into a long back and forth. It is a quick, efficient, like transaction. Yeah, it, it's the, it's the same way with anything, like right where it's like, hey, you want to go to the movie? Like if you're even if you're just asking like your buddies, like, hey, you want to come to this movie? 
Nah, I think I'm good. You sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Boom. Done. Yeah, I I think that's uh, actually an excellent rule of thumb. So I would have to second that. I think giving someone the initial offering and then the sort of second, uh, however you want to phrase the second one, like that give that does give somebody, uh, you do have two chances to either, it can change course a number of ways. So I think, I think that's fair. And maybe sometimes people do change their mind where they're like, oh, sometimes you know they what? do. You, you offered, sure. I'll, I'll take the offer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just kind of a, again, it's a nice gesture. Like if a girl, like if I was seeing a girl and it was our first date and we went out and this is one of the reasons too, why you don't, um, you don't necessarily, unless you've been like, unless you've been in the situation where you two have known each other for a while and you have grown closer and you have decided to, to move from just really knowing each other to going on a date. Like this is one of the reasons why the first date usually shouldn't be like a really nice dinner or something very expensive. Um, because it puts a lot of pressure on somebody to, even if it's not intentional, it puts a lot of pressure on somebody when they, when you are, if you are offering to pay, you know what I mean? So this is why sometimes it is better if it is just something simple like a movie or a snack in the park or uh, a treat at a coffee shop that you're both sharing. You know, that is a little more sort of casual and not as like um, done up as, again, like a really nice dinner or some kind of like experience that that costs a lot of, you know, money. You don't want to, you don't want to go full on the gas, like right away. Um, for sure. But if I had someone who took me out and offered to pay, um, it would be contextual, but I, I would be, I would be personally like very flattered. Although it absolutely depends like on the vibe of the situation. So just make sure when you are offering to do it, that your intentions are, are pure and yeah. it doesn't mean that you won't get like it doesn't mean that again that people won't maybe want to pay for themselves and if that's the case then that's the case yep so our next question dudes that wear hats all of the time even indoors and at restaurants and events why answer it holds my hair back smart uh it's also on you wear like, a habit thing like i started wearing hats back in like 2018 and I just kept wearing them. They're good for the summer. You were, I feel like you wear quite a bit of hats, quite, quite some, some hats, John. Do you like, uh, are you a hat man? I'm a hat guy. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm presently wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> what is What is the hat that you're wearing? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, it's a work hat. Nice. nice. I got it at our in-person conference. Like a ball a few cap? Months ago. Yeah, just uh, I have a lot of baseball caps. Although I recently bought a um, Columbia full brim, that is kind of fun to wear. Ooh. So oh, oh, is that for like if you're going on a hike or kayaking or something yeah. like that? Mm -hmm. Nice, smart. So I don't know. I just have never really been a person to care what my hair looks like. Um, I don't cut it super short, but it varies. Like I get, I get three haircuts a year, so I just put a hat on it and I don't have to worry about it. 
I love that. Yeah, very fair. Also, I don't like, I don't wear them super often, but I do like it when I do. As someone who has taken to wearing a hat more places and not like a typical ball cap, but like a cowboy hat kind of thing, like there's just not good places to put your hat. Like back in the day, there were like mm. coat checks because people would wear suit coats mm. and things, and or like blazers, and you would check your hat with your coat. But we don't do that anymore. So that's that's very fair, and um, I'm always worried about. So I, I do take my hat off when I like go to a restaurant, um, but I I just never know where to put it, and I've almost forgotten the hat many times due to that. Yeah, like either it's either I put my hat under my chair, but then like you say, might forget it. I have like a my my hat I typically wear has like a, a chin strap basically just to like if the wind blows away keep it on my head so I could put it like hanging off the back of my neck but then it's kind of in the way so I was like I'm just gonna keep wearing it yeah that's that's actually I didn't even think about that that's very fair hear that public places bring back hat racks yes please uh, and I think that's where we're going to call it this week. It's really Sound good. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Simple. Sweet. Thank you both for joining. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies. We have our meme Mondays. Our Twitter is at BetterBudcast. Use the hashtag BetterBuddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account is BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love, and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on. And last but not least, be a better buddy. He's here. He's here, and none the wiser. We um we did a thing, James. What we is it? We did it. We saved <laughs> the city. <laughs> a man has fallen in the river in Lego City. What uh what did you do? How did you save the city and or the man in Lego City? Um, well, RJ's profile picture used to be red, and then when Discord mm-hmm. changed usernames, it became green, and we made it red again. Oh, how did you do this? Um, we downloaded the red profile picture and RJ uploaded it. That's some real hacking, gentlemen. RJ, I don't know how to tell you this, but now your guy's off center. He is a little bit. Damn it. Gonna fix it.